Last time on Glen Tremere. There's a horny Toreador and... The horny Toreador said, come blood bond me. Oh, but don't they all? And the regent said, no. What does that, that Toreador give us? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Let's think about this. <clears throat> all right. Support for Podcast by Night is provided by Midnight Syndicate. To learn more, please visit MidnightSyndicate.com. to podcast by night this is john i'm jen and here we are with our next latest and greatest episode of clan tremere where we left off last time was talking about the clan and the code and clan the code of clan tremere and the peripheral code and everything that kind of falls underneath the auspices of that um, trying to understand what it is expected of you when you join this clan or embraced into it, if you're lucky enough or unlucky enough. It all depends on how, I guess, you would view it. I th- see it as a plus in my life, but, you know, not everybody is all up for being a part of a singular paramilitary hoarder end times Armageddon vampire mage unit. That's true. I mean, personally, I would see it as a boon because it's like, oh, look, structure in the afterlife or the unlife. I'm all for it. You know, I'm all for structure and esoteric knowledge and, you know, having to climb a hierarchy of other people who have more esoteric knowledge than me. That's actually pretty much what my real life looks like. (laughs) And, And here I am thinking that I just wanted to learn more about those ancient aliens. Ah, uh, yeah, gotta get your ancient alien, uh, your ancient alien groove on, because we all know somewhere in the depths of Clayton Tremere is the proof that the ancient aliens existed and that they left behind their 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 message to us somewhere in the pyramids. I think it has to do with pyramids. I'm not sure. You know what? That's what that guy with the, uh, you know, snake eyes told me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to believe him, you know, because he said he's from Egypt. <laughs> Because, yeah, I believe every vampire with snake eyes from Egypt who says, I've got weird esoteric knowledge for you. It's going to end well for you. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's what that's what he told me. So, OK, so tonight we're going to start off by getting into the meat of the topic that a lot of people, you know, all the Harry Potter fans and everybody out there that just dreams of being a witch or a warlock. That's right. We're going to be talking about the blood magic and the complex discipline that is thaumaturgy and as you might have guessed through all our discussions about you know inside baseball do not talk about fight club the tremere are the only clan in the camarilla who practice the difficult and complex and interweaving discipline that is known as thaumaturgy complex is a word for it yeah thaumaturgy is in it its strictest sense thaumaturgy isn't precisely a discipline like aspects or dominate it's actually it the ability for a vampire to tap into the magical essence of what makes them a vampire uh thaumaturgy pretty much is 
no less than uh, the supernatural ability to manipulate reality, I guess you could say, to a certain extent, using the magical essence that is within a vampire's blood. But it's super hard to do. It's, I mean, very hard to do. And a lot of other vampires could not master this, but the Tremere have managed to figure it out. Because as we know, the Tremere began as true mages, and mages have the, they use the magical essence that is inherent in the world to perform their feats of magic and to manipulate reality. But when the Tremere became vampires, they lost that connection, but not the knowledge of how to do it because they still had all that esoteric knowledge of rituals and sort of the will, the willpower involved in manipulating reality. And so one could say they simply assigned the same exact principle to the vampiric blood, but first they had to figure out how to tap into that blood because now instead of using the inherent, you know, force, if you will, of the world, of the living world. The quintessence, if you will. (laughs) They had to learn how to use their inborn vampiric vitae, which was essentially it is a mystical force that is animating them night to night. And they had to figure out how to manipulate that to do what they wanted. Yeah. And this is different than the way other vampires use magic because there are other vampiric sorcerers. There are several other clans who have a form of quote unquote magic that they use. But their magic is usually dependent on something exterior to themselves. So either they're calling upon uh, the umbra and their ability to move through it, or they call upon nature spirits or ghosts or what have you. So their powers are all external from themselves. The Tremere are actually tapping within themselves to be able to do all these crazy feats. So the ability to manipulate that magical essence of vampires means that the Tremere could then create vampiric magical or vampiric magic quickly. So they don't really have to spend maybe like 30 minutes whipping out this magical aura to bring down a column of fire. They can just go, there you go. And that's sort of that's sort of the thing that is their calling card. It is the one thing that gives all those other vampiric magic users pause when dealing with them is that it makes them the most adept and formidable blood mages there are. And they and the other vampires know that. Well, even more than the fact that they can sometimes do this very quickly on the spot, the fact that they already understood how to do the esoteric arcane uh, magics because they came into the vampiric world as true mages, they were able to pick up on how to even do it quickly. So they didn't spend like centuries developing this weird arcane magics like a lot of the other clans did. No, they did it within a few decades. And then on top of it, they figured out once they figured out the basic mechanics of how how do I do magic as a vampire? Once they got that piece figured out, they were able to apply it in an array of dizzying different ways. So I can use it to manipulate blood. I can use it to manipulate fire. I can use it to manipulate lightning. I can now do call upon elemental spirits. They created a lot of different ways of how to use thaumaturgy and in many ways trying to mimic some of the stuff they used to be able to do as true mages and because of that they're much more versatile than most other vampiric sorcerers are because those vampiric sorcerers are limited to only a few things that they can do within their very small box of things that have been developed 
but the Tremere can do a lot of things. And then they still find new ways of applying the same principles to create new paths. They're always creating new paths of thaumaturgy. So the thing with the Tremere is, I mean, you think you understand what their magic is and then well, bam, now they're, they've created a new type of magic. And you're like, wait, what? But the downside is, because, you know, guess you know, every, like everybody says, magic comes at a price. And mm-hmm. for the Tremere, the that price is the idea that they can't, they, as versatile as they are, they were they are not nearly as versatile as they were. So true mages are humans who have the ability to manipulate reality itself. And unfortunately for the Tremere, the minute they became vampires, they lost that connection to their avatar, the the piece of a mage that allows them to do magic. So the Tremere don't have the ability to do the things that a true mage can do. They are they are, are more versatile than a regular vampire. They're not as versatile as a true mage. Um, so because of that, they can only use the blood, magical essence in their blood. And they can only manage feats that they can power through that essence in their blood. Which is still fairly impressive, let's be honest. They can still do a hell of a lot just through their blood. But it's not going to be nearly as cool as, say, a mortal mage who can do much, much, much more than a Tremere can. But additionally, the Tremere embrace all sorts of people into the clan. Many have a magical background, but a lot do not. So in the case of, say, a new embracee that is not as esoterically minded or or they were not they were not a mortal mage to begin with. What kind of problems would that do or that cause within for the clan? Well, if you didn't come up through the ranks with any kind of magic backgrounds or, you know, you, you, you don't know this world, then the idea of even being able to perform magic is foreign to you. you. First of all, you're like, wait, what the fuck? There's magic? And then second of all, the concepts of how one does magic are not easy for you to wrap your fingers around. So you have to learn magic pretty much by rote. So you're going to learn a a form of thaumaturgy that is the same that your sire or your master learned, that they learned from their master and they learned from their master and so on and so forth. You know, basically you're just mimicking the same thing that has been passed on for generations within the clan. So consequently, a Tremere who did, did not come into the clan with any magical background, someone who is completely mundane, they will often not be quite as adept and creative in creating new paths of thaumaturgy as, say, a Tremere who grew up being a mage. Also, too, they're finding that often you're you're seeing some of the new young bucks who are coming in, the ones who are growing up with sort of this more technologically advanced world, also are much more adept in creating some of these new paths of thaumaturgy because they're thinking outside of the box, applying good old tried and true hermetic principles to like some of the new technologies and sciences that they learned growing up and putting those two together to create new paths. But if you just come from a completely mundane background, like I'm an accountant and somehow I ended up getting embraced a Tremere, then chances are high you're going to have you're going to struggle a lot with thaumaturgy you're going to probably being an accountant learn it very formulaically and it's this way every time and you can't deviate 
and you can't change it because you know that if I do this plus this, I'm going to get this result. That means that you're very limited in the kind of thaumaturgy you can do. So as you can see, because of all this, the Tremere and their thaumaturgy is less dynamic than True Magic. That's kind of like the example of how they're limited in that scope. As a role-playing point, you might want to keep in mind that not only, if you, especially if you're playing a, a fledgling or someone who has just been embraced rank one, they've just been released, not only did you have to struggle with this idea of, wait, there's magic, but you're just getting over the fact that you're now a vampire. So just kind of keep that in mind in the back of your head when you're playing this, you know, and, and of course, obviously, this probably only goes for like I said, the neonate rank ones, if you're higher rank than that, then you you already know what you're doing with the magic. Or if you're playing an elder, you're like, what, I was alive once? Question mark. So again, just a little tidbit for the newbie. On the downside, like John said, you know, thumb is much less dynamic than true magic. But on the plus side, true mages have this problem called paradox because uh, much like vampires, true mages have to work within the the parameters of reality. And if reality says no, motherfucker, then um, <laughs> then you get smacked with paradox. Because in my mind, reality talks just like Samuel L. Jackson. I want you all to know this. Man, that reality so, is a dick. <laughs> that reality is a dick. And it's like no, motherfucker. And then um, mage gets hit with something called paradox, and it's not pleasant, and you don't want it. Tremere don't ever have that problem because by their very nature, they're already reality deviants. I mean, they're vampires. Realities just sort of like, well, you, you're not supposed to exist, but you do. And I don't know what the fuck to do with that. So, eh. So Tremere do not have to deal with paradox when manipulating reality. They can pretty much do whatever they want without having to worry about getting a negative effect for it. Uh, just so long as they learn a path of thaumaturgy and they have the blood in their body to be able to do the magic. And yeah, you still have to kind of follow that pesky masquerade law because, you know, Tremere, you, know, you, you can't just go around shooting fireballs out of your fingertips. Oh, but I wanna. I know it's so tempting, but if the humans see, then, you know, it's going to be bad news bears. <laughs> but I want to fly around. Yeah, I like flying too. I mean, so because thaumaturgy is so very difficult to learn, it's not exactly something everyone can pick up. First of all, there is, it is based in hermetic magic, and that is like a highly ritualized form. It's kind of formulaic. It's it's academic at its heart, and so it's something that not everybody's going to be able to grasp right away. Or if they're having to be taught it, like Jen said, if you're an accountant. Somebody is in the in that's teaching you, your master is gonna have to figure out a way to speak your language to interpret it for you. So that could be limiting. As and I will say I like this, you know, go go uh, by night studios because I really appreciate the idea that to even learn thaumaturgy to begin with, that you need a merit for it. Because yeah. it's not like a regular old discipline, oh let me drink some of your blood here and oh look, now I can learn protean. No, it takes time. And that merit is something that I think every iteration of the game should possess because it reflects that time you spent put in put into it. Yeah, I, I really like that BNS made the ability to learn thaumaturgy a merit because it shows the expense of it. Because merits in BNS are not cheap. No, and they're yeah precious. They're pretty precious, and so the idea that you 
are willing to sacrifice that to learn a discipline that is that difficult. I mean, thoms should be that hard unless you're a Tremere who this is what you do. Like for anyone else, it should be really, really difficult. And, and I say this only because in the number of games I know where it's like, oh, and then I took up with this a guy who like he was a Tremere and like we shared blood and it was really cool and then um he taught me thom so now I know how to do like this path of thom and that path of thom and oh yeah this is this really weird esoteric path of thom and and I'm sitting over there going well wait what because Tremere don't just pet hand that out like pez this is something that they hold very precious it's a knowledge that for them, it's it's part of what makes them valuable as a clan in the Camarilla. So, of course, they don't want everybody to have it. But also, even more than that, it's really difficult to learn. And it's because of their own particular heritage that they even have the knowledge as it is. So anyone else learning it, yeah, that's there has to be a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of sacrifice to learn a discipline that they have spent a thousand years developing. And the second to that point that Jen just made is that the Tremere, they know what side their bread's buttered on. They know that thaumaturgy is their thing that makes them special within the Camarilla and they guard it jealously. I mean, it's to the point that if you are caught sharing any of these secrets, it, it could mean a tribunal for you. You could be just killed for it. I mean, that would be in many ways going against the code is teaching thaumaturgy outside of the clan, because then you're working against the clan's interests. And, you know, that's an an absolute no-no in Clan Tremere. Now, with all that said, there are those vampires out there that have learned thaumaturgy outside of Clan Tremere. And there are a multitude of reasons why this could be. Either they learned it from a rogue Tremere, maybe a Jin. I don't know about the Sabbat, but are the anti-tribu that jealous about it as well? Uh, it's a different situation than the Sabbat. <laughs> there's there's a whole big, there's a lot of drama. And we'll, when we get to the Sabbat, we'll explain why there's a lot of drama. Because you now you get the Shimase involved, and then there's this thing called the Valdari. It's just a huge thing. I think really where you see it pop up is if you see vampires who have either been uh, in coteries with, especially older vampires who've been in coteries with older Tremere. And then then there's always that gentle people agreement. I'll say gentle people to be more inclusive. Um, you know, that wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Sometimes you see it where there's a random vampire who has been part of a Tremere experiment and they didn't know it. <laughs> and so they're like, hey, I have Thom! And, and people are like, how the hell did you get Thom? And you go through the notes and you find out, hey, kooky Tremere in Backwoods Chantry thought, let's teach the gang girl in Quebec what Thom is and see if it actually sticks. It, it, there's many reasons why Thom may just pop up out of nowhere. Most often, I think, where you see the random bits of Thom popping up is actually among the Anarchs. Because there are Tremere who, for one reason or the other, are outside of house and clan and outside of the Camarilla. Uh, Because they're not in the structure of the Camarilla or the clan, 
It's sort of like, ain't nobody can tell me what to do. And I'm going to teach all my new Kate of buddies, like how to do thumb. So, you know, yeah. and, and so you'll see sometimes among the Anarchs that there is thumb popping up in weird places that you wouldn't expect thumb to pop up. And usually it's because it's an Anarch Tremere uh, Chantry that's been teaching it or, you know, maybe a couple of rogues that have been out there teaching it. Often they won't have anything. Either they'll either they'll have something that's super simple or they'll have something that's super advanced technological thumb. Like the big push towards uh, tech thumb actually is among the Anarchs because there's the Tremere are so um, hidebound, as it were, that in some chantries, they're like, oh, well, we cannot. Who who would possibly do something involving thaumaturgy and computers? That sounds horrid. And so uh, several young Tremere just were like, okay, well, I'm going to peace out. And then they ran to the Anarchs. And so they've created quite a following among young Tremere who felt there was no place for them in the more traditional chantries of the Camarilla. And they've created like these other more technological uh, forms of thaumaturgy out in the wilds. And every so often you'll see an anarch who might wander in who has thumb, especially a technological version. And you're like, where the fuck do you come from? And that's where. Um, and then that's always a pain in the but for a regular, for a regent in any city, because they're like, great, now there's a Nosferatu who has some sort of tech thumb, and I have to deal with this shit? What the hell? God damn it. <laughs> right, because according to the code, you have, like Jen said, some of those more traditional chantries would probably be like, oh, they know thumb? They're not a member of the clan, house or clan? Kill them. But that's rather extreme, considering you know, how precious unlife is and if maybe they're good at it. Maybe they have something that the, the rest of the clan doesn't. And you're like, hey, that could be useful. And so this is where we, I know we mentioned it before in a previous uh, Tremere episode about House Tremere. And most cases like that, if they prove themselves useful or worthy and adept at thaumaturgy, they will be inducted nicely <laughs> <laughs> nicely asked to join House Tremere and swear the oath to the code. By nicely asked, they're pretty much told either join or we kill you. Eh, details, details. But they say it nicely. So there, there, I guess, therein lies the nice part. That's right. They dangle a pretty big carrot. So I want to clarify that this is a very obscure reference. So for any of you storytellers out there who are like, what? This is super obscure. And again, Ask us, we'll get you where it's located. But for any of you out there who who are wondering how this works, this is an allowance for non-clan vampires to be brought under the auspices of quote-unquote House Tremere so that they are under Tremere guidance as they develop their thaumaturgy and the training that they need to really optimize their magical gifts. So this is a good idea for any of you STs out there who have like those players who are like, I really want to play an Osferatu has thumb. Uh, this is a kind of avenue for you to explore that. It definitely allows for those weird one-offs and, and can create some kind of fun gameplay, especially for some clans who are like, I heard the Tremere weird. I hear that they worship demons and eat babies. Some they only worship demons sometimes. The eating babies thing is completely untrue. 
But, you know, this, this gives you an avenue to allow players to kind of explore it a little bit. Dicheski, put that baby down. <laughs> they need some fresh blood in the family is what I'm saying. Let that baby grow up in 16 years. And that adds to the DNA gene pool. <laughs> so... Essentially, what happens with a vampire who is not a member of Clan Tremere, but who does know thaumaturgy, they are made to take the oath of House Tremere, the same oath that we just talked about in last episode, and they must swear their loyalty to House Tremere. Now, notice I keep saying House Tremere, not Clan Tremere. Uh, There is a little bit of a difference. Additionally, they are granted a rank among all of the apprentices of house and clan, but often it's a lower rank. Like if they would have been brought, if they're talented enough to be like a fifth, an apprentice of the fifth, they might actually be brought in as an apprentice of the third because you're Nosferatu and you're still creepy as fuck. And just like uh, Clan Tremere members, they are bound to the Inner Council and the Inner Council's will. So these members of quote-unquote House Tremere are often second-class citizens, but they're still able to attain rank and title within the clan. And a particularly adept member of House Tremere can still rise pretty far in the ranks even if they're not a member of Clan Tremere. But you have to play it very, very carefully. So there's a prime example of this very phenomenon uh, found in India. And it's this pra- so this practice is found amongst this bloodline called the Trimera. <laughs> Trimera. Who are actually a bloodline that has been bolstered over the many centuries by the Ravnos, who are a clan we will talk about in future episodes. But the Ravnos um, hail from India, and they also, too, have a type of vampiric sorcery inherent to them. And so the two clans have kind of joined forces, as it were, and the Tremere in India have brought the Ravnos into that bloodline to kind of like boost basically kind of boost the ranks as it were and so even though they're not technically Tremere in terms of being embraced by Tremere they are still considered to be part of this bloodline quote-unquote Trimera this members of house and clan even though they have Ravnus blood in them yeah that makes sense because even I'm not quite sure how fifth edition they haven't even discussed Ravnos have they I'm just speaking about the future of the clan yeah i don't i haven't checked yet but it would make sense though that they would use this as a as a um a shelter that the tremere are like hey we need the numbers the Ravnos are like hey we need the protection yep so yeah it's it's like one of those made in heaven moments i mean we had a similar situation happen in our game uh where it was a defector if you will from the asamites the banu hakim and she swore an oath and like I said, Ari, you're still a Tremere after my own heart. So, <laughs> Well, she was playing a sorcerer, an Asmite sorcerer, who had defected, looked to the Tremere for protection, and was like, they're like, okay, sw- take the oath, you make it, you swear it, we'll make sure that you're protected. And, and, and her character in that position was like, well, my own clan's not going to protect me because they're idiots. At least that was her opinion. And... <laughs> And so she swore it because she was she felt that the Tremere in the city had the, the power 
and the strength of numbers to be able to protect her. So you, see, there's a lot of reasons why a vampire would swear an oath like this. And this in many ways reflects the habit that the Tremere have always had, even way back in the day when they were, um, when they first changed from mages into vampires. Uh, frankly, even back in the day when they were mages, because when they were mages, they would bring in all sorts of people who were interested in some of Tremere's teachings because they found that there is strength in numbers. So if they could bring a lot of different people into House Tremere, that made Tremere as a house stronger and able to stand uh, on its own. And then when they transitioned from mages into vampires, they just had the same process of, we're not going to just take Tremere, we'll take whoever and we're going to bring them in and it's just going to make us stronger and it's going to make us better and it's going to make us just as a clan survive. So this idea of bringing in quote unquote house in, in many ways, it's just the continuation of what the Tremere have always done since way back when they were still mages. It's the idea of we have to survive no matter what, and we will bring in any and everyone who are willing to be a part of this unit. And as long as we can all agree that it's going to be this the clan, the house and the clan first. If we do this, we can all make it through together. Absolutely. They're like the ultimate nationalists. Right, they are a nation under them under themselves. Okay, so now's the time I'm sure a lot of you have been waiting for. We're going to take this thaumaturgy thing and we're going to break it down a bit because like Jen said before, thaumaturgy is is merely the ability to do blood magic. But that's kind of an oversimplification in in the grand scheme, I think, because there are different types of blood magic that any thaumaturge can do. There, you have you have the most basic ideas from like throwing the fireball all the way to like freaking teleportation. There's a lot of different things you can do with thumb, and like we said, it's it's very diverse. But I think the most basic way you can break down thumb is into the two concepts. One is called paths, and one is called rituals. So a path is just basically at its heart a set of principles that create certain repeatable magical feats usually they're all centered on one particular idea so um you have the idea of say repeatable feats centered on blood or repeatable feats centered on fire or feats centered on weather uh, paths rely on a few simple ideas that create an easily manipulated effect and they can often be widely taught and repeated to those who have trained in it so paths are kind of like the bread and butter of thaumaturgy for the Tremere. They're the easiest and most versatile things for most Tremere to learn. So there are a variety of different paths that the Tremere have developed. And in fact, nearly every form of blood sorcery that other clans can do, the Tremere have an analog in the form of thaumaturgy. Um, so they've kind of been watching all the other vampires who all could do sorcery before they came along and said, huh, the Asimites do this thing? Well, I can kind of do that doing these, this. Oh, wow, the Shimasei can do that thing. I can do, I can create a path of thumb that mimics that. So yeah, pretty much every form of magic other vampires can do, the Tremere have formed a kind of path that is similar to it. And so the Tremere are constantly researching and looking for new paths and different ways that they can use their powers in the world around them. 
so Ultramere really do start with a primary path. That's the first path that you learn. Either it's because that's the one your master was good at, and so that's the one they taught you, or it's because it's the one you naturally gravitated to, and it was just easiest for you to learn. And that'll be your most basic go-to path. And that's the one you'll probably concentrate the most on learning at first. And you're encouraged to learn other paths. Um, in fact, it's probably best if you do learn at least one or two other paths. Uh, but you'll there will always have that one path that will be your main focus before learning any others. And most Tremere will not be able to ascend to any like high rank within the clan, say like a regent, without having mastered at least one path of thaumaturgy. Among those paths, the most common, and in a lot of games, this is the one that they just kind of give you automatically, is the Path of Blood. So a lot of their primary paths for many Tremere is the Path of Blood. And this is simply the vampire's understanding and ability to manipulate the blood innately, or vitae, within living things. Because it's not just vampires you can use it on, you can use it on mortals as well and it allows the thaumaturge to manipulate the blood within the other creatures like the vampires and mortals or within themselves also to do specific things and sometimes those are not so nice things it's Mm -mm. you know i would say it is one of those paths that i always find is underestimated Mm -hmm. i i I have to because i have to gloat about it because i made people get all wigged out and grossed out in a game that using path of blood i actually made someone's blood boil in their body like a sausage people were like oh god that's just awful (laughs) so that may be its most destructive power you know being able to boil someone's blood but there is also an ability that causes either yourself or you can force another vampire to use blood and sometimes you could do it at inopportune times so it again it's also it's it's how you play the character with that path that often proves how useful it can be it's called blood rage blood sorry rage. i could not remember the name of it i knew which one it was i knew what level it was couldn't remember the name i will say again like i said it's most underrated but a lot of you know it's the most common but there are other popular paths that everybody kind of gets all of Twitter about. So it's usually their secondary paths. There's the path of Lure of the Flame, which is the fireballs we keep talking about. Path of Corruption, which is another fun one that I would love to learn how to play at some point. Path of Weather Control, which my particular Tremere character was a master of. He scared the Sabbat with fog. Just fog. It was awesome. No joke. And then the path of the focused mind. And there are there are several others that, you know, these are the ones that are kind of in the main rule books of any uh, vampire edition. So, you know, please just have a look at it. I'm going to include the show notes. I'm going to links to the books and uh, yeah, have fun. On top of just those paths, uh, there are some other exceedingly rare paths that exist only outside of the Camarilla Tremere. So uh, not every path of thaumaturgy is going to be readily accessible to a Camarilla Tremere. Also, too, not every path of thaumaturgy in earlier editions of Vampire appears in later editions of Vampire, So, which is super annoying. So yeah, be able to ch- 
check with your storyteller to see if the path you want is even permissible or if there's even a mechanic for it in the edition you're playing because uh, for example, this happens in LARP a lot. You'll see where paths of thumb exist in the tabletop books, but not in the LARP books. So you're like, oh, but I loved using that one path of thumb in my tabletop chronicle, but it's not in your LARP. So either someone has to write a mechanic for it or you have to like beg and plead someone at BNS to write it for you. But just always check with your ST about Paths of Thom because there are some really wicked and really cool ones out there, but not every storyteller is going to want you to have the super amazing Thom cheese ball of utter awesomeness. Definitely, definitely follow that advice. Talk to your ST because sometimes that Uber path thom path of awesomeness is um could be game breaking in some way so yeah definitely always communicate and you don't want your powers as cool as you think they are to break the game so yeah it doesn't make it fun for other players now the second part like jen said it can be broken down in paths and rituals so the second part are the rituals now these are specific complex set of spells that do a very specific thing they do one thing and they typically do it very well but it is that it goes back to the idea of those repeatable effects. But sometimes rituals are, they're a little bit more powerful than like a quick one-off spell, which is why it takes more time to create them, implement them, set them up. Rituals require a certain basic knowledge of hermetic thaumaturgy to do them. So you can only have so many rituals as you do have knowledge of thaumaturgy. So as your path, as your knowledge of paths grows, so too does your capability of understanding how rituals work. Um, so you, that's part of why the mechanic in the book works the way it does. You can't have uh, a ritual that's higher uh, in its difficulty than your path of thaumaturgy is. So because of this, thaumaturgists will not, will usually not have a lot of rituals at first. And they do tend to concentrate on those rituals that are most useful for them and what they're doing. Now, that's not to say they can't learn more rituals and develop kind of a back catalog of rituals that they can go to. But at first, many thaumaturges don't really have a lot. So they'll pick and choose the ones that are most useful to them, even though there's more rituals than you could shake a stick at. Um, There are rituals for all kinds of things. So there's rituals for protection in the form of wards. Um, There's rituals for social manipulation, for security, for striking enemies from a distance, for sharing knowledge and information. There's rituals for spying. Um, In many ways, rituals allow you to do more of the kinds of things you want to do that the paths don't allow you to do. So... Rituals are very specific. They'll, they do one specific task and one specific task only. But you can develop a ritual to do any sort of task. It's just going to take you time and study and the ability to create it. And it, because of that, they tend to not be the standard go-to as much as paths are. So it really depends on what you're trying to do. If you need to pull out some thumb in a battle, you're going to be using your fireballs or sucking blood out of another person's body from across the room. That's all going to be a path. But if you want to spy on somebody or if you want to send them a message or if you um, want to strike them from a thousand feet without them knowing, you would probably use a ritual. 
And something that I do enjoy is the, the game is set up so that it sort of reflects how difficult it is to learn thaumaturgy. I mean, it takes years to master this stuff. And so because of that, most Tremere tend to focus their attention on that, on cultivating their paths, their rituals, learning the esoteric knowledge at the expense of influence development or even learning other disciplines. Now, the Tremere do have two other disciplines, Auspex and Dominate, that we've spoken about before. And they learn those too. They bolster those up because they are—they all, all three of their innate discipline powers reflect the mindset of the clan. And so all three of these things are considered good and worthy of study and advancement. It's just that sometimes that magic just really takes precedence. And because the Tremere are so steeped in hermetic training with their practices of thaumaturgy, many of them also learn to speak this weird, strange, magical language called Anakian. So Anakian is a language developed by the Order of Hermes, and it allows them to speak with umbral spirits. These are spirits who exist in the uh, realm just outside of Earth's reality. It gets a little complicated. But anyways, some examples of umbral spirits are angels and demons, who all speak Anakian. But there are other kinds of umbral critters out there who all speak Anakian too. And the Tremere maintain the language and they use it for many of their interchantry communications as it's at least one common language that all Tremere share because most Tremere will speak their native tongue. So I may speak English, but that Tremere may speak Croatian and this other Tremere may speak, I don't know, French. We can't speak to each other in our native tongue, but we all share a Nakian because we're all Tremere. So at least we have that. It becomes the lingua franca of Clan Tremere. So those who have not been hermetically trained cannot learn a Nakian. So I am sorry, Bruja scholars out there. I am very, very sorry. You will not be able to learn a Nakian. I am sorry, like Toreador linguists out there. You will not be able to learn Anakian. It is not a language you will ever be able to learn because you do not have the hermetic skills to learn it. And even if you have the linguistic ability, you still cannot learn Anakian because it is a magical language. However, if a Tremere finds themselves around a hermetic mage for any reason, say you're out for a stroll and they're, hey there, like... Order of Hermes Mage, there's never usually a good reason why a Tremere would be running into a Hermetic Mage. It's usually always a bad reason. It's always, always a bad reason. But if you are a Tremere and you're, you happen to see a pack of Hermetic Mages and you yell to your Tremere buddies and Anaki and guess what? Those Hermetic Mages know exactly what you just said because every single one of them also speaks Anakian. And in fact, their term for Tremere is Masasa which comes from the Anakian, basically it's a traitor. Tremere are considered traitors to the Order of Hermes. So um, if they call you Masasa, then you better run because that's, that's not going well for you. It's going to be a bad day. It's going to be a very bad day. Or to put it in the uh, common parlance, mudblood. Yeah. Masasa is the hermetic version of mudblood. There you go. Yes, it's it's going to be a very bad day for you. And um, and you know that whole thing about masquerade and paradox? Well, it's probably going to go out the window because there's going to be fireballs thrown. Again, as always, check with your storyteller if they want to run this. 
This is sort of a sneaky thing that Tremere can do to communicate with each other in code, but it's also a bit annoying. So other players can be quite fed up if they go, I'm going to go listen in on what the Tremere are talking about. And all they hear is wah, 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 wah. The storyteller may be like, nah, I'm not doing this Anakian thing. I check with your storyteller. It's it's really completely up to them if they want to run with that or not. That's true. I mean, it, it all of this is to serve the story. And if the storyteller is like, yeah, we're just going to play the, if you want Tremere in your game and they're going to be more of like the Merlin-y types, then maybe not. And that's perfectly fine. Or if they want to be like, I know everything there is to know about Tremere, so we're going to include everything type. Well, you might just be in a Tremere game. If you couldn't tell... John and I have played with storytellers who are like, I know everything there is to know about Tremere. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. Not at all. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's my favorite moment of the podcast. (laughs) I've always wanted to be a wizard and I want to go to Hogwarts. How do I get to be in House Slytherin? I mean, wait, House Tremere. Damn it. (laughs) They're the same thing, right? (laughs) That's right. So... Now we're going to try to break down, you know, the all the good, tasty RP bits about how to Tremere. Yes. Oh, Tremere. Yeah, the Tremere live, eat, and breathe magic. But that being said, the clan is most concerned with defending themselves and survival, which means they embrace anyone who might help them out to that end. So you don't have to be the uber, uber super mage, but it does help sometimes if you are. They're attracted to mages and hedge mages and anybody with that esoteric knowledge. But remember that Tremere, the clan itself, is always looking to further itself, further its ends and better themselves for being prepared for whatever may come. So, you, again, your character can come from any any walk of life, any profession. Yeah, I mean, y- as long as you have a skill set that you can bring to the table that the Tremere find useful, chances are they'll embrace you. So you could be uh, a researcher. Researcher is great to be in Clan Tremere. So basically being me in real life. Because Tremere are always doing a lot of research. So researchers, scientists, great for Clan Tremere. Librarians, occultists, investigators of any sort would be great for this clan. Um, anyone who has the capacity to basically follow an order and work with others towards a common goal Guess what? You're like tailor-made to be a Tremere. So you're ex-army or an ex-cop or, you know, whatever. Like, if you're part of an organization with a top-down sort of hierarchy, you know, you're you were born to be a Tremere. Let's just face it. And they also prize ambition. Because they're really Slytherins. They're cunning and shrewd and they and Tremere <laughs> can help you on their way to greatness. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, it, it it's easy to understand that the the underlying current of like the emotion and the mindset and the drive of ambition is attractive to them because it sort of goes along the lines of even their discipline, their power traits. Because if you can bend, if you can craft your will and bend it to what you desire to do, that means you can bend the minds of others, or you can manipulate the blood to do what you want it to do. It it all connects. 
People who have this ability to be fiercely strong-willed, often they're the ones who will raise in rank in Clan Tremere. So they're going to be the ones that are the hard-ass regent who rides you or the pontifex that demands you jump and then you have to say how high. Only the strong survive in Clan Tremere. So you have to have the ability to walk that fine line of willing yourself to succeed, but not being impertinent because you still have to answer to someone who's higher above you in the pyramid. And guess where all this shit rolls down? It rolls down on you. That's right. So you always keep that in mind in Clan Tremere. So you hear us saying uh, code and clan a lot uh, in reference to the Tremere. And that's actually, I think that's really our colloquial catchphrase. <laughs> is it? That was, the, yes, oh, I think it is. I love it though. We're going to, that's our, that's our catchphrase then. Yeah, I think that's that was one born out of the LARPs that we played in here in Los Angeles. It reflects, I think it's a great catchphrase because it really reflects the two things that are the most important to Clan Tremere. That is the code and the clan. Uh, First, it's always the code. You always have the law. And second, it's always the clan. And a distant third is the Camarilla, maybe, sometimes. Um, and many Tremere may have their own agenda. I mean, there's nothing saying a Tremere can't have their own agenda and work towards their own goal. The idea is that you will always be working for the clan first. And, well, maybe the clan first thing after yourself, <laughs> you know? It's the idea that the clan is ranking somewhere high up there and it better be pretty high. That is what it what it means to be a Tremere. So as you're thinking of your Tremere concepts, keep all this stuff in the back of your mind of how do I Tremere? Well, this is how you Tremere. And speaking of concepts, we have our wonderful little list of some fun concepts that Jen thought up that might be helpful with some... They're not exhaustive. No, not at all. I mean, like, again, you can come from anywhere, anyone, anywhere. But these are sort of ideas to help spur your own imagination in creating your own character. So first up is the ex-mage vampire. So this is something that um, I know we discussed a lot, talking about the magic and the hermetics. and, And really, I mean... You could be you could come from any magical tradition, but specifically, I guess this is speaking to you were once a mage. It doesn't have to be hermetic. You could be from another tradition of mage, maybe even a technocrat. For whatever reason, you're interesting to Clan Tremere, I should put it. And whatever it was, they brought you over and now you've lost your connection to your avatar and you can't do true magic anymore. But you're now surviving among the Masasa and you're trying to find out your new place in this world. So if you're an ex-mage, in many ways, you already have a leg up in terms of your your training and your understanding that many other mundane embraces do not. And the next one, uh, the you're not in Kansas anymore. This kind of taps you're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Not, a, not at all. This kind of taps into what I was saying before about, uh, wait a minute, magic's real? Wait a minute, I got to drink blood? You were a normal human and you were just doing your thing, bopping around, and then all of a sudden, bam, you got embraced by the blood mages. Not only are you now figuring out that vampires are real, but now there's also magic in the world? What the fuck? It's like you woke up in Oz, except Oz is a dark gothic place, not a multicolored, technicolor nightmare. Yeah. A lot for you to grasp. 
It's a lot for you to grasp. And you're struggling to do it. And you want to prove to the Tremere that they didn't make a mistake in embracing you and bringing you across. But you still have to try and figure all this out. And you're like a step behind all those former mages who like always were aware that there is this like supernatural world out there. And I would say even as a as a role playing note for for that particular concept, it could be a lot of fun if this is your first time playing Tremere. But maybe it would also be a good concept for somebody who is coming from like another clan. Like say your favorite is the gang girl, but you're like, hey, I always wanted to try that Tremere. So you kind of already know how to walk the walk and talk the talk of the kindred. So you know, just come up with an idea of like what drives you. Stick to that, and then they'll they'll teach you everything else. Yeah. I mean, one way or the other, you're going to learn sink or swim. That's right. Hey, welcome to the deep end. Yep. So the next uh, idea that we have on the list is, is that of a militant order. So you have a background in some sort of militant order. You could have been ex-army, special forces, your cop. It doesn't matter, really. It's just you were part of some sort of very hierarchical structure where you had to learn to fight and to answer to someone who had authority above you. And so it's that form that it functions very, very well in Clan Tremere. So it's very familiar to you. So you maybe you were a cop or you're a soldier, whatever. You know how to play this game. You know how this hierarchy works. And you understand how... You can become a competent individual within the pyramid structure. And so you excel, actually excel very well in clan Tremere politics. So if you are someone who comes in from, say, like the military, you understand it better than, say, the accountant who just got brought in, who was like, uh, wait, what? You know, I've never had to go, yes, sir, no, sir. How high, sir? They're going to have a harder time figuring it out than you, who's this is the way you've lived all your life. Right. You just traded one boot camp for another. Yep. All right. Next on the list is the nerdy academic. Me. You. That's right. Yeah. You were either a college professor, a research assistant, a librarian. Maybe you were an archaeologist looking up esoteric information and rare magical items. That's always my favorite one. That's what happened to Indy. That, that is. That is. And and technically via Lobos, even though that he was grave robbing. But hey, what's the difference? <laughs> yeah. That's right. So whatever the case is, you have the skills that are valuable to the clan for doing a ton of research. Understand you have the mind for that sort of knowledge and those details and all of that history. You know how to investigate and gather the data. Yeah. I mean, that's all more valuable than gold to a Tremere. So... They love them some nerdy academics. Yup. That's right. And nerdy academics know a thing or two of how to play ball in terms of a top-down hierarchical structure. Have you ever been in a chair or dean meeting? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's true. And you also know the, uh, as far as like ambition and survival, you also have the idea that like if you're a PhD student, you're like, okay, what's my thesis? Oh, great. Now I have to defend it. So you know how to argue your point and to at least at least sound like you know what you're talking about and make others believe you know what you're talking about. I think more than anything is just passing your exams. You're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I passed. I could go to the next circle of mystery. <laughs> oh, my God. I certainly feel that way. No, hey, that's valid. It's valid. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, those Caltech people will disagree. 
You know what? Those Caltech people, they're not in the humanities, yo. <laughs> that, that is very true in more ways than one. <laughs> we, we kid, we kid. We love Caltech. I, 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 you know, uh, I, I'm a UCLA Bruin. I have nothing but love for, you know, you know, the, the science nerds at Caltech. There you go. I also live near Pasadena, so I have to li- love Caltech. And by the way, the Athenium at Caltech... I had lunch there. It was pretty amazing. I'm like, you you nerds live in some swank style, yo. You know, Howard Stark must have been like giving y'all some money on the down low because we all know he was an MIT grad, but let my, my nerd flag fly there. Anyway, uh, another concept is that of an organizational leader. Maybe you don't know much about magic, but you do know a lot about people and how to make them work for the greater good. You understand influence and finance and infrastructure more than you do magic, uh, which, you know, you would think, but aren't the Tremere a bunch of mages? Well, yes, but they still need to be able to have people who know how to do infrastructure and finance and influence. And those people are still very valuable to them. So because of that, you, and because you do it so well, you know how to utilize your resources better than any old fusty, you know, book of mage, of mage lore. And, you know, you're not used to having your nose in a book. You're used to like schmoozing the room and, uh, you know, making it more advantageous for the Tremere and the, and the realm of politics and the Camarilla. So you are probably going to be the person who maybe, you know, a few, a little bit of thumb, maybe you don't know any thumb, but you sure do know politics and you're going to be the person that the regent depends on to be able to move in the Camarilla because the regent's probably busy with their nose in a book of thumb. Let's be honest. Right. Every organization of dusty old wizards needs to have a face person. Yeah. Right. Okay. And the last one on the list is the former Ducheski. <laughs> We've actually had one of these in our game as well. Yes, we did. <laughs> that you or your fan and your family have served the uh, Clan Tremere for centuries. And because of your good service, you have earned the right to be embraced. Uh, now you get to be the one bossing everybody around if you can ever get over the embarrassing nature of where you came from. Yeah, because you're not pretty, but at least you're smart. Also, too, people are like, wow, you've kind of aved high for a Ducheski and came out all right, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it could be a badge of honor, you know. Could could be a badge of honor. But you know what? Your aunties and uncles back in the in the family are proud of you. Look how far you go, you went. You're an apprentice of the third in Clan Tremere. <laughs> That's right. Great grandma's so proud. Oh, Grams. <laughs> All right. And next we've got our pop culture references. This is the part of the podcast where we give you guys all the stuff that uh, sort of point to this clan represented it in pop culture. Yeah, so pretty much any wizarding movie, go watch it. Like all of them. Watch all of them. Just sit down and just mainline them into your veins. <laughs> I mean, you can... Uh, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is perhaps my favorite number one movie of all time to understand how hermetic magics kind of work and the weirdness. I mean, it's straight up. It's a movie about a cabal of wizards who understand the world in strange ways and concepts of flexible reality. Tell me that is not Hermetic Mages. 
and obviously we, we've made so many references so far that obviously Harry Potter books and films are, you know, of, of order. Just to kind of give you, if nothing else, that, that sort of childlike sense of awe and ooh about the magic and everything that you do. Um, I will definitely throw in my one of my favorites, the show Magicians, The Magicians, which is about a college of magic users. So it's kind of like Harry Potter grown up with sex and drugs, and it works perfectly for this kind of thing. My pick that I throw in here is a movie called A Dark Song. It is a horror film? Yes, it is horror, but... It's also a little bit of suspense and, you know, psychological horror. It's an amazing movie. And that's saying a lot coming from me because I do not like horror movies. But I love this movie so hard. And it really shows you how hermetic magic works. It literally shows you because that's what they're doing. They also show you not just how it works, but what it costs you to do it. The ending is so superb. It makes me cry every single time. Every single time I cry. I'm just sobbing at the end of this movie. Um, I should note I sob at the end of many movies. But uh, <laughs> this one just, it really gets you. It's a it's a, an amazing movie. It's a Northern um, Irish production. Ooh. Yeah. It's called A Dark Song, so go find it. Very, very good movie. And I think it really could help you as you're trying to visualize like how these characters are working on rituals or how do rituals work. Um, this is a perfect movie to kind of show that. Um, I also put on this list, I recommend pretty much any military movie. <laughs> any movie that shows a military height structure and like it, you know, people having to go through boot camp or whatever. I think anything that requires a lot of yes sir, no sir aspects in the movie, it helps you understand the psychology of Clan Tremere with its rank and its titles. Um, so it, you pick a military movie. Just pick one. Go watch it. There's five gazillion of them. <laughs> this is America. Because this is Morka. And I, I think I watched most of them growing up because um, they were a favorite in my, my household. Um, so yeah, just pick one. Uh, I think that would really help you kind of just understand what, how the Tremere treat it. Cause they treat it just like the military or the police and they don't fuck around with it. So yeah, go check that out. Right. And speaking of not fucking around, the next one is Preppers. Oh, Preppers. I know we've made this connection uh, several times too in past episodes, and it is it is really no joke. I think, um, is it Discovery Channel or History Channel? They actually had some like docudrama shows about Preppers. Oh, yeah. I think it's like Discovery or TLC or something. Right. So Google that, and, yeah. and that'll definitely give you that sense of the survivalist uh, mindset. Or just, you know, turn on the news right now. <laughs> well... Yeah, it's sad. It's sad and horrific, but it's true. Yeah, it, it, but the preppers, I think, are good. It's a good way to kind of get into like the way the Tremere think. They're like, we have to be prepared for any contingency that comes our way because the world's gonna go to shit and we're gonna survive. Fuck the rest of them. Damn It'll be straight. us, ride or die. Okay, and the last one on the list is any high stakes political drama. Yeah, so like much like with any of the clans, the Tremere are very, 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 very political. 
Um, I'd say both they and the Venture are the most political clans. So watching any of these sorts of shows uh, for either of these clans, I would highly recommend doing that for both Venture and Tremere. It's a great idea. So, you know, we always bring up Game of Thrones. <laughs> what you gotta admit, there's a lot of parallels. Figuring out, and as much as I love West Wing, and it is probably my, like, one of my favorite shows of all time, not the kind of political show I'm talking about. I'm more talking like House of Cards. <laughs> I'm talking about some high stakes cutthroat action, um, because I think that is much more of what you will see with these two clans in terms of politics, because they don't play games. So, um, it, you know, anything like that runs along those lines. Um, and you guys can think of suggestions. I mean, obviously, uh, I don't get to watch a lot of TV, so I'm always up for suggestions because I'll be like, Ooh, what's that? I'm gonna go watch that since I'm on quarantine right now. I'm watching lots of things, so but yeah, feel free to give us suggestions. That's right. Yeah, we do have the Facebook page out there, we do have our Instagram channel and Twitter. Hit us up, shout us out, tell us what you think. Yeah, we haven't given our Twitter handles in a while, but Podcast by Night does have a Twitter at by night the podcast you can just pot, uh, twitter me i'm at bester b-e-s-h-t-e-r because frankly i'm on there all the time and i like talking to people so you can just tweet me and be like hi i don't know who you are but i'll say hi back <laughs> yeah and i i very frequent very much frequent uh, the by night podcast yes john's usually the one on the by night podcast i'm the i'm the annoying person who's just retweeting it and then like like, look, here's this BuzzFeed article. Isn't it cool? <laughs> That's me. Well, I'll retweet that too. To kind of close out the episode, like we do with every one of our clan episodes, there is our list of books. Uh, of course, I'm going to be t straight up honest with all of you. Of all the clans in uh, the vampire line, of all the clans, and I mean all of them, the one clan that has the most books written about them is Clan Tremere. There is a ton of books. A ton of books about just the Tremere. More than any other clan by far. And there's clan books. There's, there is Thom books. There is uh, the Order of Hermes tradition books. Go take a look at some, take a peek at some of the, uh, uh, the mage books about the Order of Hermes. Go take a look at some of the mage books about the Order of Hermes. Sometimes they mention Tremere, sometimes they don't, but that gives you a flavor of the world that the Tremere came out of and why they are the way they are. Go read House Tremere, read the Dark Age Companions, the Transylvania Chronicles. They wrote a whole chronicle centered on Eastern European vampires, of which the Tremere are one of the main players. So I, uh, the Dark Age books cover a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff about Tremere. Um, Knights of Prophecy, all the blood magics, all the blood magics. They all have thom in them. Just read all of them. Lore of the Clans. I think uh, there's probably books I don't remember out there. All of them. Tremere are <laughs> everywhere. They, the pyramid is watching you. That's right. Code and Clan. Code and Clan. I mean. Now that everybody has their homework assignments from Professor Wolf. <laughs> We really hope that you've enjoyed this episode. It is uh, has been our longest thus far, and I think it's one of the ones that's closer, near and dear to our hearts, for sure. Yeah, and with Clan Tremere, I mean, all four episodes of Clan Tremere, 
this actually concludes all of the Camarilla clans. <gasps> That's right. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, if you've been on this long journey with us, it's been, what, two years now. We have been slowly making our way through, like, first the Camarilla, and then the Laws, and then each of the clans. And now we've come to the end. We are at the end of the Camarilla. What comes next? What comes after the the Ivory Tower, John? Those that don't give a fuck. <laughs> Those who really don't give a fuck. So um, John and I were talking. I was like, hey, John, we're coming up on the end of Tremere. Where do you want to go next? And so we agreed we're going to do Anarchs. So we yeah. are going to be looking at the Anarchs when, uh, with our next episode and starting to look at the vampires who are like, uh, Law and Order, uh, fuck that noise. Pfft. You ain't going to tell me what I'm going to do because Merka. Merka, fuck yeah. Oh, wait. They started in Europe. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> well, didn't everything great start in Europe? That's I digress. That's what would I digress. like to tell you. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're going to hit up the Anarchs because it's definitely, it also, the you know, the way the world's going and I believe a lot of the focus that's been thrust on um, V5, because I know probably a lot of our listeners have come in since the new relaunch, uh, Anarchs factor heavily into that uh, meta plot, the mega plot there. So this is probably also going to be one of our more timely episodes, but we're not going to delve into 5e just yet. Um, we're still just based hard on the classics. And but I mean, everybody's got to know where they've come from. So, yeah, got to know your history. That's right. Know your history, y'all. So we're going to give it to you. Yep. So we're going to start in on Anarchs and we're going to see what those uh, those vampires who refuse to conform to the system have to say about things. That's right. Ideals and dreams. That's what it's going to be about. Mm hmm. And maybe a little mayhem, a little madness, little little riots in Los Angeles. I don't know. Yeah. We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. So for all of you who've kind of stuck it out with us through all the Camarilla clans, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, we hope this has been informative. I know for a lot of you guys out there um, who may be tuning in, this is their your first taste of Vampire and you're like, I don't know how to like bruja. Um, so I'm hoping our podcast and our episodes have kind of like really, really helped you like kind of get your, your hands into it. I know sometimes like finding the time in our busy schedules just to sit down and read a clan book is sometimes it, we, we can't find it, you know? Our, our episodes are designed to kind of be that like gap to help you get into them. So I hope that you guys have all enjoyed them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to second that. Thank you so much. It has been a lot of fun doing this and putting this together for you guys. And, you know, the, the long, stressful hours of editing. No, I'm kidding. It was always fun. <laughs> all right. Well, with all of that, we look forward to talking with you soon. And we're, of course, going to bring you out a little some little snippet episodes, probably trying to, you know, e ease into the Anarchs. We'll see what happens. And we still have been teasing us watching Kindred Sea Embraced and doing a running commentary. So, I, I mean, we're stuck in the house right now, John. We should, like, work on this at some point. You know something? <laughs> I was just talking about that today. So I think we're going to try to, we're going to make, no, not we're not going to try, we're going to make that happen. We, we need to make this happen because we've been promising and we haven't done it and I think it's time. I think we should just do it. Now's the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody. My name's John. I'm Jed. And we'll talk to you soon. 
Bye. Bye. If you want to get a hold of us outside of our normal podcast hours, you can find us at Podcast by Night on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter at By Night Podcast, or you can email us with any questions, thoughts, uh, opinions, you know, anything you want to communicate to us. You can do that at Podcast by Night at gmail.com.